Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Any Given Sunday Dynasty League pod. Uh, this is Bishop, this is Justin, this is Nick, on the tail end of our Debbie draft. We're going to be breaking down all things NFL draft, Debbie rankings, and moments before the show went live. <laughs> Nick Rice decided to throw gasoline on a fire, and uh, <laughs> he, he dropped his draft grade rankings newsflash to surprise no one, I got an F, and I have some words to say and thoughts to express. We'll get to that at the end of the show. But to start us off, gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking doing forward great. To really excited. Let's uh, let's do a rapid rundown here of the NFL draft. Talk a little bit about some of our favorite players and landing spots. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about this not only from an NFL perspective, but this is a Dynasty League fantasy pod, so we're going to talk a little bit about it from a slant of a fantasy perspective. Let's start here, gentlemen. Favorite landing spot for a player in this draft, which, by the way, there wasn't many. This was <laughs> tragic for fantasy football. But, uh, Justin, let's start with you. What is the favorite landing spot for a player in this draft for you? Man, I loved, loved, loved when the Bears traded up for Justin Fields. Um, I, I love Justin Fields, the talent. Um, as a as the classic tale of Justin Campbell loving Ohio State players when they go pro because I've seen them destroy my team. Uh, but for real, his talent is unmatched. And then to put, oh, I mean, unmatched, you know, he is obviously the 1B to Trevor Lawrence ever since their senior year of high school, right? And so for him to fall to like it was at 11 or 12 and then for them to, you know, get that opportunity, we've talked about it before. He's the best quarterback in Bears history already, already. And so for, for that opportunity and then Allen Robinson, uh, their offense does have real talents on it. Cole Komet, um, Mooney, Anthony Miller, if they end up keeping him right. Um, they also got Damian Williams, kind of a sleeper for this year, um, at least in NFL production. I think he's going to be great. Um, and so this is this landing spot I thought was phenomenal for him, where he's, you know, he didn't go second to the Jets, where I would have not felt great about it. He got to a position where I love, I love the offensive system. I've, we talked about it on the Any Given Sunday podcast for a long time, where I, I don't think Nagy's that bad. On the script, they're always pretty good. And then after that is when it goes terribly. And I have a hard time blaming Nagy for that and not blaming the quarterbacks of the past. Um, and so I'm really optimistic about how, you know, weeks, you know, seven through the rest kind of really looks for Fields as he gets used to playing off the script and adjustments are happening. Uh, so, yeah, Justin Fields to the Bears got me really excited. Can't go wrong there. I think that's a great landing spot. Uh, the guy that jumped out to me, Diami Brown, wide receiver to the Washington football team. Absolute college stud. Uh, he dominated the wide receiving room with 34% of their air yards, a market share of all air yards over the course of his career, 25%. 25% of the team's passing yards went through him during his college career. This guy's insane. He has everything you want, and now he's put into a system where he can do what he likes to do, be the deep threat guy. Uh, that opens up Terry McLaurin underneath. That opens up uh, Curtis Samuel underneath. That allows him to take the top off the defense with the most aggressive passer in the NFL. I think this is a match made in heaven for Diami Brown, at least for a couple of years. Uh, I really, really like his production. I'm drooling over it, guys. I think uh, Diami Brown, he jumped over my wide receiver boards. I really, really liked it. Nick, favorite landing spot. Who is it? I, I think the uh, for me, they're all predictable. Uh, from an NFL perspective, Rondale Moore in Arizona is a home run. I think, in I said this during the draft, I think in fantasy, he's kind of a middling prospect. I think he's probably not going to have a huge ceiling. But in terms of what you need to make that football team go, he's perfect. He's exactly what they're looking for. 
I think Pitts in Atlanta makes perfect sense. I, from a fantasy perspective, I hate drafting tight ends. And the one exception might be if they play for the Falcons in this offense, right? So Pitts to Atlanta makes perfect sense. And I think that's probably a perfect fit. I think Chubba Hubbard to the Panthers. Nobody's really excited about Hubbard anymore. He was a 2,000-yard rusher in the Big 12. So, you know, he's a super talent. And in terms of, like, running back twos on NFL depth charts, he's, I mean, can you argue that he's not a top five second-string running back in the NFL? He absolutely is. I mean, you get Kareem Hunt, who's probably the cream of the crop. Who else would you say is a better RB2, really, than that situation right there? Chuba Hubbard's going to come in if McCaffrey gets hurt and be pretty darn good. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good win for them, and they get him late. I think my favorite landing spot is Eskridge in Seattle. Oh. I think he's a guy who could have ended up in a place where we never hear from him again. But Tyler Lockett's getting, like, sneaky old, and he's really productive. And having one wide receiver on a team usually doesn't work out that well. Um, you need another guy, if just to take some attention away from your top guy. And I think Eskridge can do that for Metcalf once he kind of gets used to the NFL game. And he's going to get a year or two to get adjusted before Lockett's out of the picture. I think it's a really good spot for him. And he's got the draft capital. I mean, they went up and got him. They got their guy. I think that's um, – yeah. I think those are all great landing spots. I, everyone did hate the landing spots this year, <clears throat> but there are moments like that that really stand out. Your Chuba Hubbard comments, I think, are 100% I agree. Um, I'm snagging him everywhere I can late in rookie drafts because why not? I mean, the production's there. Mike Davis was an RB1 last year uh, in that offense. And I think – I mean, I would say Hubbard's better than Mike Davis – um, so I'm excited to see kind of what happens there. But we've talked a lot when about, we've heard a lot about. On, it's when he what plays. What you say? When he plays is going to be the catch. So if, uh, you know, if McCaffrey's healthy, Hubbard can grab a clipboard and eat a taco on the bench because he's never going to see the field. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. when McCaffrey's not healthy, and he proved last year that that can happen, and it wasn't even a major injury. It just kind of nagged him all season, couldn't get back on the field. Then Mike Davis, he turned that into a job. I mean, now he's the guy in Atlanta, inexplicably. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Hubbard is, he's in a good spot uh, football-wise. Fantasy-wise, I think it's a tough, tough spot. Well, and I think one thing we have to consider about the Hubbard signing there, or the draft pick there, is that, they, they signed McCaffrey to a very expensive long-term deal, and they realized last year how fragile he is. I don't expect that we'll ever see Christian McCaffrey do what he did a couple of years ago because I don't think he's going to get the same volume. I think they're going to pull some punches with McCaffrey. With that being said, pull 20% of the punches, and he's still an RB1, if not the overall RB1. But I do think that – I think there's going to be some role for Hubbard in this offense early. I don't think it's going to be viably startable, but I think it's going to be something that we can monitor his improvement and process. Justin, you're the only one who hasn't chimed in on this Hubbard thing. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, like you said, I mean, the college production's there. That 40-yard dash was overwhelmingly disappointing at his pro day, um, which is why he slipped, you know, in the real NFL draft. Um, so, I mean, like y'all said, he's, 
Like this isn't this isn't an Aaron Jones AJ Dillon situation where we like we know AJ Dillon's going to get at least thirty percent of the snap share, right? This isn't. Um, I, I can't believe I can't think of his name, but Ezekiel Elliott's backup. Um, he's terrific. Um, yeah, Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's going to get twenty-five to forty percent of the snaps. You know, just part of it. There's, there's offenses like that where, man, I hope y'all are wrong because I have CMC in our league, right? So I hope CMC kind of. If, you know, even if he, as long as he's 85 and above, I feel good. Probably above 90% would be, you know, that full bell cow status. Um, but like you said, I mean, he's he's fast and we'll see how he works. I, I think it's potential. I think there's a lot of potential for him not to be good, though. I'm, I'm lower than most on him. Well, his vision issues kind of definitely played a part in that his last season. Let's jump into our opposite of this, the, the least favorite landing spots, the NFL draft. Of which, guys, I know that we each probably have a list of five or six. But what is your like? What is your favorite one? Let's uh, let's go reverse order here. We'll start with you, Nick. What's your least favorite landing spot? Easily Gainwell to the Eagles. Yeah, I mean that was a huge gut punch because you felt like this is a guy who could get an opportunity to be. You know, if he landed with the Jets or something, you'd say, man, he could probably win that job and make his way into being a a starting NFL running back. It's not going to happen now. I mean, I don't know why the Eagles hate Miles Sanders so much. He's young. <laughs> I would think they'd be happy with him. But, like, at every possible chance, they're like, let's get another running back. Why not? They just – they hate their guy. I don't know why they do, but they hate him. So maybe they hate him enough that Gainwell can impress some people and, and earn some playing time. But as soon as I saw that pick, I was like, man, they killed him. They absolutely killed him. I think he'll he'll see the field early because the Eagles do rotate through backs inexplicably. Like you said, Boston Scott is almost every single year an RB3. Why? Because the Eagles. Uh, But Miles Sanders, obviously, I think uh, as long as he can maintain what he's done, I don't think he has any chance of losing that starting job. Really disappointing, though, uh, like you said. Uh, My least favorite spot is a weird one because I hate this player. But Kadarius Toney to the Giants. Um, I I don't like Darius Tony. I don't think I think he's overrated. I think he's a gadget player, far better on an NFL field than in a fantasy roster. But complete positional redundancy going to the Giants. Um, you're over the middle targets. Now you have Sterling Shepard in the slot, Kadarius Tony also in the slot, Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram all fighting for that 26% of the market share over the middle. I, what, so why? You needed another guy. Uh, Kenny Galladay's there now, which is fantastic. Go get you another alpha. Um, go, Especially where they drafted. There were so many viable wide receivers available to choose Kadarius Tony. I hate that landing spot, both for the Giants and Kadarius. I don't feel like they're creative enough to really put him to good use. I, I think all of his talents and uniqueness is going to be gone. Had he gone anywhere else, had he gone instead of Rondale Moore to the Arizona Cardinals, I would have loved it. If he went to Sean McVay, I would love it. If he went to the Falcons, I would love it. I don't love this landing spot for Kadarius Tony or the Giants. Justin, who's your least favorite landing spot? Well, I wanted to first touch on the Kenny G thing. For him to weigh, weigh in at 200 pounds was something that the fantasy community was amped about, right? He met the threshold. Um, and like you said, the Jets was a good one, right? Because now everyone's pretty high on Michael Carter, right? I mean, you drafted him in, the, in our league, Nick. And then Imagine if that was Kenny G, right? Like, that's it. Like, all of a sudden, we have, you know, everyone's taking victory laps, all those people that have been talking about him. And then, Bishop, I actually super disagree with you. Um, You can call it positional redundancy. I think it's positional upgrade 
Evan Ingram has consistently been a disappointment over the last season and a half. Uh, Sterling Shepard, man, a name that shouldn't really be brought up on many fantasy football podcasts. Uh, and so I think Kadarius Tony comes in as, in my opinion, the second, second or the third most talented pass catcher on the team now. And, you know, behind, obviously, the original Kenny G and uh, Saquon behind him, right? And so I think that he has a major opportunity to be a major uptick for that offense. Um, and like, you know, you and I were talking during the draft. I said, they're going to go for a speedy wide receiver here because they're trying to do what Buffalo did, right? They went out and got a big body receiver who's not Stephon. Like, there's like a poor man's Buffalo, right? Our quarterback is also athletic, but he's not nearly as good as Josh Allen. So we'll get a receiver that's not quite Stephon Diggs, and then we'll go to speedy receiver who's not quite as fast as John Brown. But maybe it'll work, right? Maybe they'll be not quite as good as the Buffalo Bills and win the NFC East by three games, right? Like, that's possible. Um, so all, in all reality, I loved the tourney pick there. Um, so my least favorite, though, was Elijah Mitchell to the 49ers. This is a running back out of Louisiana that we all liked a lot, had the body, had the frame, had the size, had the speed. And then, for the, I mean, they already drafted a running back. They've already done it. They got Trey Sermon. And who, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of varying opinions on that. Maybe he's going to win the job and be the Devonta Freeman that Devonta Freeman never truly was because he had Tevin Coleman there. I don't know what the reality is there. So you have Elijah Mitchell in this crowded backfield on a team that like, I mean, yeah, he'll get, he'll get more touches than a lot of other rookie running backs will. Like Kenny, we just talked about Kenny Gainwell. I think Elijah Mitchell gets more touches. I just don't care. I just don't, I just don't care. You know, it's going to be one of five backs or four backs, whatever. And he just, you know, he's going to get probably 500 yards rushing and kind of you know, a couple touchdowns. You never know when they're going to come. He'll have, he'll have a hundred yard game, I think. We just won't be able to, it'll be weirdly when everybody else is healthy going against like the Steelers. And all of a sudden, Elijah Mitchell is go time, and no one's going to have started him. So I hated that landing spot. I, he was a guy that I was targeting for late in drafts, in our draft. And then that landing spot took him completely off my board. What They, they added uh, Wayne Gallman, too. It was, <laughs> he's pretty good. I, he's he, not terrible. He's really good. Yeah, he had a great, great year last year. Who, who do you think is the best running back in San Francisco? <laughs> what a question <laughs> uh i'm gonna go i think it's trey sermon at this point can i don't, can think, I, no, say, I don't know i disagree i think it's way i think it's Wayne Goldman. i don't can know, I say I don't know. can i say debo samuel it's trey lance yeah no but i i would say um man i, I would I, hmm I honestly, if I gunned ahead, probably Trey Sermon. I don't like it. Ugh. I mean, he's Jermichael Hasty. He is um, – who's the – Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, I don't I, think that Trey Sermon is better than Jeff Wilson, Wayne Gallman, or Raheem Mostert. <laughs> I actually – I'm, I don't, I'm I don't. still not convinced he's better than Elijah Mitchell either. I have me like, either. If we're going to talk about him, I'm not convinced. I, I might take – I don't know. That, that backfield is so messed up. Um, and what's sad is, like, they're, they're going to be fine. Uh, they're going to be yeah. a great team this year, and that's just the curse of Kyle <laughs> Shanahan. Um, so as we kind of wrapped up the NFL draft, we saw the free agent un, uh, undrafted free agent signings coming through. Give me your deep-dive sleeper pick, a uh, guy that maybe no one's really talking about, but that maybe sneakily you're trying to get on some of your rosters. Uh, I, I waited a couple days to ask this question. That way you've had time to go get your guy if you want him in our league. Uh, Justin, we'll start with you. Who is your deep dive sleeper? 
So despite me spending, I think it was, I think I spent $85 on our way for a wire on the first day. Um, I, I think I, I think I'm pretty sure that's accurate. I still didn't go after this guy because um, he has such a deep dive. And in our league, I just wasn't as concerned. Um, but Racy McMath, wide receiver out of LSU. Um, let me give you the reason why no one knows of him. He has a 10.4% college dominator, which puts him in the fourth percentile. This dude never got the ball, right? College Ooh. yards per, ke- per reception, 13.9. College target share, 6.2%. That's a third percentile. However, he ran a 4.39 at his pro day, adjusts to a 4.44, which puts him at a speed score in the 91st percentile. And he's 6.2 to 11, running a 4.44. Um, that and he went to the Tennessee Titans. They have AJ Brown, and then they have this hole, right? And we all know that. And everyone's, I mean, yeah, he's the second receiver taken by Tennessee. I know, you know, I, I'm aware of that. And this isn't a huge pie, right? They're not going to throw the ball a billion times because even, even like I think it's like one eighteenth of their called passing plays, Ryan Tannehill ends up running. It's something like that. It's kind of a high percentage. Um, and so whenever you factor all that in, I still think Racy McMath could be that have this like third most receptions on this team this year. If, you know, if, if things go his way, he was at LSU. We know we can list all the receivers there, right? There's a reason why he didn't get the ball inside. He's surrounded by some of the best receivers that like around, right? Um, Terrace Marshall, um, and Butte, you know, and, and others from the years prior. Um, and so I'm a huge believer in this talent, not a huge believer, just a guy that I, like I said, I didn't even pick him up in our waiver wire, but he's kind of, in normal leagues where we're not doing Debbie, he's my fifth round target every single time right now. Yeah, I uh, I kind of went similarly. I went wide receiver, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> and uh, I chose Michael Strachan, uh, wide receiver out of Charleston University. Um, he is kind of a no-name guy. But the reason I love him so much, he's 6'5", 226 pounds, uh, and still ran a 40 and a 4.54. Uh, that's not bad. And – What's amazing is that he had 54.7% dominator rating, which is in the 97th percentile. He um, completely dominated, almost averaging 17 yards per reception in college. And last year in a COVID-shortened game, he accounted for 1,300 receiving yards and 19 touchdowns. (laughs) He is going to a team with an ambiguous wide receiving core in the Indianapolis Colts. He fits the frame of every receiver Carson Wentz has ever liked. Um, I mean, he's tall, he's big, he's Alshon Jeffrey with a little more speed. That's what he is. That, that is Michael Strachan. I'm excited to see his role there. Uh, and I was going to snag him in our league, and then stinking Jeff Darby decided to swing in there and grab him. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all a couple years from now we're looking at him as a wide receiver two or three in fantasy. Um, I, I can definitely see that potential with his touchdown upside. What you got, Jay? I saw your hand go up. Well, yeah, just do yourself a favor and Google or YouTube his highlight film. It's so funny because he's just a grown man amongst these other, like, D7 guys. I mean, they're so <laughs> small. They, they, you can tell he's just so much better than them. It's hilarious to watch. Yeah, I don't think he's... Because everything you just said, I could envision you saying last year with the name Antonio Gandy Golden. Yep. Same guy. The same guy. 6'4", 220 pounds, small college guy. Maybe it works out this time. We'll see. Hey, Randy Randy Moss, 
Six four, small school guy. Hey. Okay, okay. Full fairness, he ran like a four two something. So like, no, but Nick, I think you're right. Antonio getting golden. That's that's why I drafted him last year because I love taking late round flyers on these guys. That, you know, you can get cheap and may do something. They may not. Uh, by the way, don't give up on AGG yet. His time could be coming. We'll see. But uh, I think the uh, passing. Oh, the guy who's six four. All the receivers are. Five ten and a half. Yeah. You're not wrong. Nick, here, how about you wrap us up on this conversation? Who is your favorite deep dive sleeper? All right. As a deep dive, are you looking for a guy who wasn't drafted? Or are you looking for a guy who uh here's a guy that I like that went pretty late uh to the Bears, Khalil Herbert. Yeah. He was really productive at Virginia Tech. Um, and I I'm just not sure that the Bears are like totally sorted out and what their offense is going to look like yet. And it wouldn't surprise me at all that a guy could come in confident and steal that job away from David Montgomery. I mean, towards the end of the year, he really started piling on some numbers and looking like a better fit. But um, I'm guessing to some of that coaching staff, they remember when he didn't look very good, when he was getting tons of carries and it wasn't going well, that you know, if you get a, a rookie to come in and he's really great in practice and you say, maybe this guy's a little better than, than Montgomery is. And he's the kind of guy that I think could steal your job if he gets some opportunities and is just consistently like not dropping the ball, not making mistakes, that you just he kind of fall in love with him. And next thing you know, you got a guy who's maybe more talented, loses his job. I think that could happen to David Montgomery. Potentially, I, as a deep sleeper, I think there's some risk of that. The other, I think the other guy right. undrafted would be Jared Patterson. He was so productive in college, and uh, you know Gibson kind of came out of nowhere. So, do you expect him to be like untouchable? Not really. Uh, you know, Patterson could come in and make some noise and do something there. Absolutely. I definitely think he could. Uh, J.D. McKissick is dead in the water, in my opinion, with the Jarrett Patterson signing. I think Jarrett Patterson is a more athletic J.D. McKissick. If he can if he can prove his pass-catching worth, which we haven't seen much in college. Uh, Jay, I saw your hand fly up. What are you thinking? Two things. Number one, undrafted free agent running backs mean nothing to me because we saw what happened to James Robinson. You can be an absolute stud, and it just doesn't matter. And then secondly, yeah. Um, I think this year's J.D. McKissick is Antonio Gibson. I think they're about to just bell cow the heck out of him. I really do. I, I'm, I'm saying I think he's going to be one of the highest running backs in terms of just overall share of the offense. But just those two things wanted to add in on that conversation. I, I think it's a bold take. Um, you know, it's interesting going into this. I think we've had conversations about this before, that the way you view Antonio Gibson, I view, um, you know, I view – I guess DeAndre Swift. Yeah, DeAndre Swift. I was trying to decide mm -hmm. between him and Clyde, but I would take DeAndre at this point. I think he's going to be the bell cow. And then they went out and signed like a thousand running backs <laughs> because apparently the Eagles front office has decided to infiltrate the Detroit Lions. Um, <laughs> yeah, j j uh, when when uh, I was with you, I was like Swift is. I was all in. I was ready to overpay for Swift everywhere. And then when they got Williams, I was like, well. Well, well, maybe I, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just kind of hang out again. Yeah, I 
I think Jamal Williams is a starting running back that keeps getting put in committees and it kind of bothers me for both him and whoever he's intrinsically handcuffing just by his presence. Um, let's end out our draft discussion here with one quick conversational point that has kind of dominated our league chat for several weeks. Um, the Debbie drops over, so it's not going to affect anything. We don't have to posture or pretend we can be honest and open. Let's go ahead and settle this with our opinions once and for all Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. Nick, we'll start with you. Which one do you want and why? Easily Harris by a thousand miles. His situation is so much better. He's a better player. He's perfect for the Steelers. He was made to go to the Steelers. It's a home run for the Steelers. And I don't even know how you could compare the two, honestly. The Steelers view him. You guys can laugh if you want. I live in Pittsburgh. The Steelers view him as the second coming of Jerome Bettis. And Urban Meyer views Travis Etienne as a third down back. There is no comparison. It's Harris by a mile. I think all your reasons are good, but I do know that my my uh, co-commissioner over here has some <laughs> thoughts to say to you, friend. So, uh, Justin, how about I uh, tee you up here? What are your thoughts? Um, okay. So, I agree that Najee Harris is really good. I just also know that he's 24. He's just so old. He's so old. The age threshold's two and a half years away from him already. Um, and that terrifies me whenever I'm going to be drafting a running back. Um, also, that um, I don't – I don't. okay, here's what I think. This is, And this is more of just like fun how you feel about coaches. I just don't think – I think if I'm a coach and I draft a first-round running back and I just had this UDFA take 300 touches, I'm like, yeah, dude, he's just a third down back, right? It's, it's okay. It's all right. You know, it's no big deal. It's, it's fine. It's like whenever the Packers drafted, drafted Jordan Love. Hey, hey. You're you, Aaron. You know, this ain't, this ain't a problem for you. We ain't got to tell you that we're drafting this guy. He's not, he's not coming for your job. And all of a sudden, yeah, yeah we're, we're kind of ready to move on, actually. Um, I think I, there's no way ETN doesn't get 60, like 65% of the, of the running back touches to 70%. There's no way of the running back touches. Song. Yeah. Uh, this is a, was a thousand yard rusher. That's great. I mean, this is a first, so nice. first, round, first round running backs don't bust, they don't. They're both going to be good. They're both going to be top 20 backs. Great. Give me the one that pass catches and give me, and, and has a better offense. Because at this point, Pittsburgh's offensive line – Pittsburgh should have drafted O-line. Non, non-negotiable to me. Just draft O-line and let um, – oh, what's his face from uh, Maryland be your running back and move on with your life. Like running back, I just I, – I think it was – for NFL-wise, it was a terrible pick in my opinion. But then just beyond that, I like, I like the pass catcher and I like that he's a year and a half younger. Those, those are the two main things for me. It's, it's not I, – I agree that they're both super talented. You're not – like I'm – like Bishop actually is like definitively ETN's way better. For me, it's like I think they're both super talented. Give me the guy that's a year and a half younger and catches the ball. I do. I have a, I have a view that ETN is dramatically more talented. Um, but I do want to be the first one to say this. Next year, 2021, what? it would not surprise me at all that Najee Harris is a top 10 back and will win people leagues. For that reason alone, if I was on the 101, I may pull the trigger if I'm if I'm a win now team on Najee Harris, no doubt. And I wouldn't look back. I think that's a great pick. I think what we're talking about now is longevity and lifetime value. And if for me, lifetime value does lie in Travis Etienne, even if this in this year, even in this year, if Urban Meyer isn't lying, which historically 
go look at, I mean, if you want to go find yourself crying in a hole, go look at undrafted free agents who ran a thousand yards and then their team drafted a running back the next year. And Stack Stacy, dead. Um, I mean, you could just go through Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay, they go out and get Melvin Gordon. Now, with that situation, it was different because Melvin Gordon got hurt and Philip Lindsay reminded everyone that he's really good. But, um, but, but, and then they got rid of him. He plays yeah, for now. They did. <laughs> like, That's, so and this is where this is where undrafted free agents really break my heart. But I will say, I will say that even if this year it's more of a timeshare, I do believe over the next couple of years, Travis Etienne takes that job and runs away with it. And I do like his pass catching. I do like his run style more for longevity. I think that he has a potential to be a guy that ages well. And then six years from now, seven years ago, well after the age apex, he's still on teams as a, you know, a, a James White third down specialist. I love that. I'll take that. Uh, so to me, I think the higher upside immediately is Najee Harris. I think the higher long uh, lifetime value is Travis Etienne. And for me, I'm always going to take lifetime value. Uh, so that's 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 my rationale. But I don't think you can go wrong either way. Um, but Nick, what are your thoughts? I got two things for you. One is this. If ATN was in, this was not a particularly good running back class. If ATN was in a really good running back class, where do you think he would stack up? Let's let's play that game. Let's like if, if he's in next year's running back class, which is gonna have some real studs, you know, I think he's behind Spiller. I got I have him behind Spiller. You don't have him behind really. No, I'd go Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, Isaiah Spiller. I'd have him at the third running back behind those two guys. I'd have him worse than that. I think that wow. ETN is the beneficiary of a ridiculous offense in a tremendously terrible college football league. Clemson steamrolls the crappiest power five, you know, uh, conference in all of football. The ACC is terrible. And on top of being terrible at its best, it's down. Florida State stinks. Miami has been terrible. Clemson has North been lousy competition. And if you watch Clemson play, ATN is not a dominant football player. He's a guy who runs all over whoever Duke could get to come and play football there. He just runs wide open in wide open space. He's a totally different football player than even a guy like Trey Sermon, who I'm not really that high on. And I think maybe ATN is better than, but, but Trey Sermon beat people by being better than them. He steamrolled people. He juked around them. He outran them. ATN gets the ball. There's no one around him for eight yards, and he runs like crazy. And then you go, what a big play. You know, I could have made that play like four out of five times. You know, I mean, it's completely ridiculous. I think that People, because it's such a lousy running back class, people have sort of pushed him up and up and up and up. And I don't know if that translates well. Then he goes to a team with a brand new coach who's a college guy who's got a thousand yard rusher, you know, who was really good stabilizing force for that team last year. I don't think that if Urban Meyer comes in and says, you know what, ATN's really great, he's my guy. I don't think that plays well in the locker room, right? If you think about this beyond just fantasy or statistics or what they're putting on paper, there's a human element here. Like sometimes people don't work because they're lousy humans or because they're not good locker room guys or because there's a personality conflict. How do you think that professionals, grown men 
are going to look at Urban Meyer who says, you've been in the NFL for one minute and you took our guy, James Robinson, and threw him in the trash heap. I could see some people really pushing back and saying, no, 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 that's not how we do it here. I think it could be trouble. I, I, think, I have a hard time yeah. believing that Robinson just goes away and ATN's now all of a sudden, you know, a, a top tier running back. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. Look what happened with Gardner Menchu. I mean, you had this like screwy guy, but the team kind of stood up for him. Like, this is our guy. We don't carry as a mullet. We don't carry where's jorts around town. This is our guy. Like, you know, we, we don't want Foles. We want, we want Menchu. And it, for a while it works. And now they get rid of him. I think this is not going to play well. You know, I think, I think that's a human element that I didn't necessarily um, consider. I think that's a good point. I would offer the counter to the fact that Travis Etienne is a bad prospect. Um, he has, according to his athletic profile, he reached, according to the running back prospect lab, a 90 score. Uh, this has a hit rate. The, the prospect lab has a hit rate of in the 90s. Um, and running backs who hit the 90 mark don't generally ever bust. Uh, looking at his, looking at the comps that are most immediate, Noshan Marino, Melvin Gordon, Gio Bernard, Dalvin Cook, Ryan Matthews, CJ Spiller, Mark Ingram, and then Richard Mendenhall. None of them are superstars. I'm not saying Travis Etienne is going to be a superstar. All of them are viable RB2s. And I believe Travis Etienne is an, a viable RB2 with higher upside than, than most of those guys, with the exception of maybe Dalvin Cook and Melvin Gordon. Uh, Jay, I saw your hand go up during that conversation. What do you got? I just have a fun stat. Um, over the last two years, Najee Harris has three games where he had less than 60 yards and had double-digit carries, okay? Only three over all those games. One of them is against Duke, 12 carries for 52 yards. So let's not trash on the ACC competition. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Duke coming in clutch. Well, uh, guys, we are going to wrap up the draft show here. And then we're going to transition into our Debbie show. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll catch you in the episode. Literally, we're going to post these back to back. So you're going to see them right underneath. Um, I hope you enjoyed the NFL draft and stay tuned for the Debbie draft recap. <laughs>